Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 67. I am so glad that you are here. If you're here for the first time, welcome to the room, welcome to the podcast. And if you like what you hear, this is for everybody, I invite you to subscribe to this show and to share and to follow us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. Hey, you're going to notice some new podcast artwork, FYI. I uh, thought it might be time to get some pictures taken, and um, you'll start noticing some of that here in the days and weeks ahead. So uh, there you go. All right, now, I hope you are having a great week. Um, we're well into 2023. You guys know that every Tuesday I drop a brand new podcast episode. We haven't missed a week, and I'm proud of that. But every Friday, you may not know, I also send out an email to your inbox where I encourage you with something that may have come up during a recent podcast, something that you can apply into your life or apply into your week that I think would be helpful. And you can subscribe to that email by going to idareyoupod.com. And there you'll see an area for you to submit your email address. You're in. And I promise not to abuse a privilege. I think you find the information valuable and something you can apply into your life every single week. And that is a perfect transition into our guest this week. I cannot wait for you to meet Dr. Julie Gurner. Dr. Julie Gurner is an executive performance coach, and she's a doctor of psychology. Now, you may be wondering, what is an executive performance coach? She has been compared to Wendy Rhodes of Billions by the Wall Street Journal. Dr. Julie Gurner has helped clients, hundreds of them, fine-tune their individual performance to win in some of the most competitive spaces on earth. And she's a perfect fit for the I Dare You podcast. You see, most people, they know the potential that they carry, but very few will achieve that level of performance, and they don't even know how to unlock it. That's where Dr. Julie Gurner comes in. She works with the types of clients that are at the top of their game, but maybe they've plateaued or they've hit a wall. And has that ever happened to you? It could have, or maybe it's coming, because it does afflict everyone, from professional athletes to executives to founders of small businesses and multinational companies. And you know this, that when you're relied upon to deliver the win or perform at a very high level, the weight of that responsibility can just be paralyzing. And when you're not performing at your best, it impacts you and everyone around you. So what can you expect to learn in this interview? Well, you're going to learn how to unlock the science behind peak success. And if you're listening to this podcast, I already know a little bit about you. You're interested in learning, and I think you have a a bias or bent toward improving yourself and becoming the best that you can be. And Dr. Julie Gurner is going to be talking your language, how you can unlock your potential and tap into ultra success. And so now let's not wait one more second. Episode 67 is ready. Welcome to the podcast. Here, everyone, is Dr. Julie Gurner. So Dr. Gurner, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You've done a lot with your career, and I think maybe we should establish first about executive performance coach. What exactly is that? For those who have not used an executive performance coach, or maybe doesn't know what that is, but what is it that you do and how do you help people? Sure. So, you know, um, I have a, and most of us who operate in the performance space have a doctorate in psychology, but we operate primarily in the business space, dealing with executives, CEOs, founders, uh, those in real estate and other positions of business. Uh, what we do generally is, you know, particularly for myself, I work in very high stress, high stakes, highly competitive environments, helping individuals in those leadership positions really to thrive in those positions, to be able to build companies, be able to build, you know, fantastic products and to be able to compete often at a global level. So 
I'm really excited about that. And, you know, it, it really requires an expertise in how human beings function. I assume that the people I work with are obviously the experts in their craft. So my goal primarily is to unlock them from the things that hold them back from being at their absolute best. That has to be a lot of fun. So you're a doctor of psychology, correct? Yes. So in your background, how did you land in this particular field? And before becoming an, a, a fantastic you know, executive performance coach, what was it before? How did it prepare you? So what's really interesting about my path is that I started very traditionally in psychology. I started in clinical psychology with my doctorate there um, and really excelled in individual personality structure. I worked in forensics, giving advanced lectures in personality theory, you know, here and abroad. And, you know, periodically when you do that type of work, you get asked for advising on products, for example, around cognitive load, around something around personality. And so it was one of those advising opportunities that the venture firm had another founder in its portfolio who said, you know, we have this guy, he, he makes fantastic decisions, but he got a, an incredible round of funding, which everyone should be excited about. But now he's paralyzed, right? He can't make the calls. He's not as fast as he used to be. And there's some challenges here. Could, you know, you're the only person we even know of in psychology. Could you just speak with him? And so I had the opportunity to speak with this guy. We met a few times, but the issues he was having were just, you know, crystal clear to me and we were able to resolve them fairly quickly. And I felt like at that moment, it was just hand in glove. I knew exactly what I was meant to do. I felt like there wasn't a lot of people operating in this space. And so from that point forward, I started to build a portfolio of clients. Uh, the venture firm was very kind and kind of, you know, providing some very nice referrals for me around, you know, the, the quality and caliber of work that I did and how quickly I was able to operate. And, you know, had some companies that I work with do quite well, got a great reputation in the space. And it was really from that point forward, I was able to, um, to kind of launch into this position. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate to be here and I absolutely love it. So it's been a great ride. That's really cool. You know, in a previous interview I was listening to, you, you, you talked about how this vocation is what you were meant to do. And you just used that word again about how you were meant to do this. What is there about this profession that gives you so much joy and purpose and meaning? I think that when, when professions really bring out the best of what you enjoy in your unique, like in your own unique personality, I'm an incredibly meticulous person by nature. I love bringing disparate pieces of information together. It's part of why I enjoyed forensics. You know, you bring people's life and their psychology and their actions and, you know, all of these things together. I really find um, that every single person is just unlocking a very unique uh, mystery and being able to kind of optimize that person and use psychology in an incredibly unique way. So usually, you know, in psychology, you're, you're taking people from sickness to health. In yeah. this particular case, you have people who are incredibly healthy, focused, you know, kind of functioning at the highest levels of what we expect people to function. And they have these little tweaks you can make. And so you have to find those little unlocks, those little tweaks. And for me, it's really exciting and it's a highly impactful position. So you actually get to see the impact of your work 
not only with that particular person, but oftentimes through the companies that they run and, you know, how they're able to move forward. So for me, it's, um, it's joy in kind of doing the work with each individual person. And then it's joy seeing the impact of that work in the larger, you know, society and in larger scale. So I think for me, it really does satisfy a lot of elements uh, for me personally. <laughs> I can tell just hearing you talk about it. It's so fun just to hear you talk about it. It's very obvious. And who are some of these high performers and what's the kind of the kind of the makeup? Who are the type of individuals coming your way? Sure. I mean, I have people who are making everybody making, you know, from a couple hundred thousand dollars to people who are running billion dollar companies, right? Sometimes, you know, in the US, sometimes Singapore, sometimes India, you know, the UK, I have clients all over the world. And so um, these are individuals who really know that they are the primary blocker of what their potential is. Uh, I think no matter who you are and probably people sitting in your audience right now, if I were to ask them, they know deep down that they could be more than where they are right now. I mean, people have that sense, that kind of deep knowledge. Now imagine you're at a place in life or a position in a company where everyone looks at you and says, you know, you've made it. You are in a phenomenal place. You are at your peak. Wow, you are phenomenal. But you know, deep down that like, this isn't all I've got. Like I can do more and I don't know why it's not happening for me. And so sometimes these are people who still hit plateaus. They're still people who hit obstacles and there is no sympathy for them out there, you know, to, um, to be better or do better. And they're problem solvers by nature. So just as somebody might hire, you know, a chief product officer to do something phenomenal for their company or an engineer to really make their product, everything they want it to be, you know, they find a problem solver for this particular area too. And and that's the, the kind of puzzle piece I tend to be for these people. Um, (laughs) So that's the, that's kind of my typical client is somebody who is insightful enough to know that, hey, I'm the one who moves this company. I'm the one who drives my potential and I'm the one blocking it. And I don't know what I'm doing here. So I need someone to help me solve this problem. See, that's interesting to me. So the for some of these individuals, I, I, I don't want to generalize. I need you to coach me back if you think <laughs> I am. But All right. uh, for these individuals who come to you who are very competitive, they're at the top of their game. I would imagine that many are not, they don't hear the truth a lot. They don't have people around them that are telling them the unvarnished truth. And so they must be carrying some blind spots like we all are. But tell me a little bit, what do you observe in that dynamic? And I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of blind spots there. I often will do something like a 360 if it's around communication issues or or those things, because a lot of people around them are genuinely afraid to give feedback, uh, <laughs> honest, unvarnished feedback, right? Um, depending on who they are, they don't walk into the office and say, hey, you know, you really have a problem communicating with us, or hey, we really don't like how you, the style that you use. Um, no one's really going to tell them that. So you're absolutely right on that. So when I do a 360, I do a qualitative one where I'll interview the eight to 10 people in their sphere, usually people who are their direct reports, a layer down, and then people in the company who have no contact with them whatsoever to kind of understand like, what's the reputation? Uh, sometimes I'll interview people on the board as well. But that's always a really insightful and deep look into 
what is it exactly that this person is kind of struggling with? And when people are guaranteed anonymity, they are not the, um, when I give the feedback, none of that information can kind of filter back to them. I don't give any specific examples or anything like that. Um, so I'm able to hear how this person operates in real time if they give me, you know, kind of the go ahead to, to speak with these people. If they don't, uh, I'm still able to give them feedback in real time. And you know, my work is brutal. And I think they hire me for that reason. I think these are people who want to hear the truth and want to take a few hits and they're not afraid of that, but they just don't have anyone around them who are, who's kind of willing to confront them and kind of stand toe to toe with them. So that's really my job to, to make sure that they're getting the truth. They understand what's happening because this is how the problem will be solved. And so that's a big responsibility. Number one, sure. but it's also to give someone that, that feedback, the truth, um, it is either because you're doing it because it helps the company uh, achieve new goals and top line and bottom line uh, objectives. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Or it's because you truly love somebody or respect somebody enough that you you care enough about them to give them this, this feedback. Where in the spectrum does an executive performance co coach like yourself come down on that as you're giving feedback? I very much follow the, you know, radical candor is often pulled out of context, but, you know, the entire framework for radical candor is that you care deeply and challenge directly. You don't challenge people without having a genuine care that you are making them better. So they know, hopefully, you know, I am on their side and I tell them straight up, you know, when I, when I first meet with clients, I tell them, look, you know, we're going to have some hard conversations and we're going to have some difficult challenges, but just know that it all comes from a place of making you better, wanting you to, to function better and to really unlocking some of the things that you say are your sticking points. And it's okay if we have challenges, like I'm not going to go away because you have a poor reaction or we have a bit of a spar. That is completely okay. So I, I want them to know that they don't have to be tender with me and they, they don't have to be tender with their responses and they shouldn't expect that I will be either, but that everything comes from a place of genuine care and movement. Because if we can move the needle for some of these guys, and I want to say women too, but for some of these folks, if we can move the needle 10% on the bottom line because they change how they function, you know, that's a million dollar meeting that we could be having because we're moving that bottom line. And is it worth it to take some hard feedback to move it a million dollars a month or, you know, as, as large as it is? Absolutely. And so at the end of the day, these folks care about bottom line results. And if it means going through a hard process, I think some of them genuinely enjoy it. Um, but I, you know, if it means going through a hard process, I think that it's worth it at the end and they see the benefit uh, from our work together. So it's a real privilege. And I think, you know, I operate behind the scenes in a way that it, that can, can make motion, but I take that responsibility very, very seriously. And I understand that, you know, at the end of the day, this person is here and vulnerable with me because they want some really um, you know, candid and honest feedback, but also they're going to be able to share with me some things that really do challenge them, both in their professional life and, and sometimes in their personal life. And, you know, just because they're very successful doesn't mean they don't carry, you know, insecurities, they don't carry things that they are concerned about, that they don't carry, um, you know, things that are embarrassing for them, um, sure. things that are hard for them in other spheres of life or even within that sphere of operation. So they have to really feel comfortable that I'm looking out for them. I'm going to keep everything under wraps and confidential and that I'm there to, to not like just kind of beat them up a bit, but that I'm there to help them move forward. And I'm going to do it in a way that is, that is candid, but 
but caring and also wanting the best results. And I'll do that in the best way I know how. So Julie, uh, just a background for you and for the listeners. Uh, I've been in corporate America for, gosh, a lot of years, decades. And so I was a, I used to be in pharmaceutical industry. I was a VP of medical sales and I was promoted wow. to that promoted to that level very quickly. I was functionally really deep in sales and I, they moved me really fast. As a result of that, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I had so many blind spots. And so the company paid for an executive coach like yourself. Wow. And similar to what you, your approach was, I look back on that experience and she absolutely saved, saved my career. Wow. <laughs> absolutely. And, and her coaching on the blind spots helped me personally as well. And so what you're doing is such a noble profession. And, and now in different seasons of my life, there was a time too when you know, we all go through this journey when um, I had a family member with a really big health health concern. Mm -hmm. And so I needed an executive coach just to help me balance it all professionally sure. and personally. So you're not just talking about, you know, growing sales by a hundred million dollars. I mean, you right. are getting into some really intense discussions with these men and women, aren't you? Absolutely. I think that, you know, sometimes people don't realize uh, that, they have marriages that are struggling. They have to balance, you know, challenges with their children. They have to balance uh, a lot of different demands on their lives and, and find ways of really making it work if they if they care about that. And most of them, if they're seeking out someone outside of themselves, what I find is that most of them do deeply care. You know, they want to find a way to make it work and they don't just want to be successful in their business. They also want to be successful, you know, husbands, fathers, mothers, uh, you know, et cetera. So it's... Um, it's really finding, helping them find paths where they can can thrive. And people don't, again, they, we don't really talk about those things. And I think it's somewhat discouraged to talk about them at work for a lot of these folks. And so this is a way of really being able to openly navigate some of those spaces. You know, I think all of us coach and mentor others. Uh, and so recently I was talking to uh, someone that I work with, a younger, younger leader, and when I was having a cup of coffee with him at Starbucks, it, and he was opening up about some of his challenges, and I was trying to ask some questions. So what hit me was, um, this, this young man is lonely, and there's no one to talk to about some of these issues. Yeah. I think you know what I'm trying to ask. Well, what, what, what do you see? Yeah, I do think, and by the way, I just want to say it's wonderful that you mentor others. I think that that's a, it's an incredibly valuable thing. And I think people who are the recipient of great mentors are really fortunate um, to, to find a good mentor who can be with you throughout your profession, or at least even, even in parts of it is just so valuable. For a lot of the people yeah. that I speak with, I mean, there is a real loneliness um, around the types of stressors, the types of things that they think about. And there's a careful balance between, you know, how much of your work do you really want to share it or talk about at home too? Um, you know, you don't just want to come home and talk about work for two hours and go to bed. It's not a really useful way of running your life. But at the same time, do you carry around two hours worth of things you could be talking about? Absolutely. You know, you carry all of these different, you know, kind of concerns, worries, stressors that you just kind of have to keep to yourself. And so this is a, an opportunity to talk about, well, how do you, what are the outlets that you have? How are you able to kind of um, reach out and kind of use your friend network, use other people, be able to, um, you know, have a hobby that you actually get some, have a release valve in your life. I talk a lot about those release valves because a lot of these folks, I mean, they are go, go, go on 24 seven around their business. And they're not thinking about the fact that like, Hey, 
you have to have something other than just that to be able to, you know, dial out the stress a little bit. And, sure. you know, when you get home, you have to to adjust who you are, because a lot of times, you know, you can be an absolute beast, you know, and your work, and then you come home and, you know, your wife is not your employee. You know, you can't speak the same way to people. Uh, and so there are a lot of like interesting dynamics that can come about when people are used to kind of, you know, they get their own way. People are very deferential and then you come home and sure. wow, all of a sudden it, it changes. Right. Um, so it's, it's in a nice area. And I think we have a lot of fun in some of those conversations and they're able to see it from a different perspective. They tend to be very open. The, the top 1% that you're dealing with, these are really competitive people in competitive environments, you know, athletes, executives, mm -hmm. uh, what is the mindset that they carry? I think that the mindset that I see with all of them is that, I mean, obviously they're incredibly internally driven. I think that the, no one has to push them to do anything. And sometimes I get a little bit of pushback from people on social networks when I talk about like, I don't find, I find discipline, for example, should be something that's incredibly rare, right? I don't think that discipline is what you should rely on because if you're internally driven, you are pulled. No one has to force you. You don't have to force discipline. These guys are never like, oh, I have to go to work again, or I have to go to the office, or, oh, I can't believe I have to do they are excited. You, they have to turn it off. Their, their spouses have to tell them like, take, please take Sunday off, like do something where we are, um, you know, not working. Don't talk about work all the time. You know, like, so right. there are, um, this is more of a, they, people have to turn it off that no one has to really force it. And sometimes people have hard days, of course, where you have to push through or have hard conversations you don't want to have or face challenges you just don't want to face. But I mean, internal drive is is one thing that is certainly solid in all of them. I think they all also have uh, a sense of confidence that they can figure it out. So whatever comes like in that space, they can figure it out. Uh, the ability to solve problems, whatever comes. Um, I also think that they're very autodidactic. And it, that's something that people don't think about with these guys. Like, you know, to use a very public example, not my client, uh, Mark Cuban talked about, you know, he took a course on AI many years ago, just so he could be a more informed mm -hmm. investor. And here's some guy sitting at home taking an online course about AI, a billionaire, and he's learning more about it so he could be more informed. And that's not out of character. You know, these folks are always trying to learn, yeah. be a, a step ahead. And, um, and so that's a, a common trait. Also, they're self learners, they're not going to rely on somebody else to teach them um, kind of new things coming. They're not the guy that stopped learning in business school. They're the they're always kind of, you know, learning new things, uh, thinking about the world in new ways, uh, trying to position for, you know, realities that we haven't seen yet. And, you know, these economic times have been very challenging, because they're completely unpredictable. You can't build your normal kind of frameworks and systems in, in, uh, in an environment like this. So this has been a real challenge. And I think uh, for many of them. From these individuals, what are some of these habits or these uh, anchoring behaviors that these individuals are doing? Can we learn anything from some of these anchoring behaviors that, that they have in their lives? You know, it, what's so interesting to me is that I think that a lot of these folks, they find their, they find what works for them and they don't really care what works for others. And I think that's probably <laughs> the best advice I could give is that like the wealthiest man that I had worked with, you know, his, his daily routine was getting a cup of coffee and walking around the streets of New York in the morning, right. For 40 minutes or so. And that's what he would do. He just walk and think and have his coffee in the morning. Um, 
and you know, that's not like hardcore taking a cold shower, uh, you know, doing all these things that people prescribe, but for him, it was a way of clearing his head and starting the day and kind of pressing that button for him. You know, for other people, they want to dive right in. They get up, they, you know, open the computer, they start right away. For some people, they'll actually take like a coffee hour with their spouse mm. and they'll sit and they won't start until, you know, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, whereas others will start at five, right? So everybody, they find what works for them and they stick to it. And I love that about them because it shows us really that, you have to work with who you are as a unique person. And that even though everyone aspires to be like, you know, they want to be the next Steve Jobs, realize there's, you know, there's only one Steve Jobs. And that if you do it right, you will be your your own name. You will be your own kind of big persona, but that those personas weren't copies of other people. They were unique in, in and of themselves. They had odd habits sometimes. Um, you know, I think it was, was it Steve Jobs who was a fruititarian or something? He liked eating a lot of fruit. Um, hmm. we, we can't be these folks necessarily by the habits that they have, but really learning that it requires us to dig into the habits that that work for us and to be unabashed about, you know, holding those, even if they're not popular, even if no one's doing it, even if it doesn't seem as hardcore as we read about, <laughs> it's okay. You know, like yeah. be yourself and be yourself resolutely. Well, that is refreshing. Uh, now let's just take a quick pause for everyone listening. So a couple, couple of challenges I would give to you regarding mentorship. Uh, Julie talked about it. Uh, if you don't have a mentor, find a mentor. And if you're not mentoring someone, find some, uh, take that step and become a mentor for others. You can change so many lives with the, that one step. So lean into that. And then also, uh, as far as finding what works for you, uh, Julie, that's so refreshing because I thought the key to success was getting up at 4 a.m., taking an ice cold shower, running for 10 miles, then meditating and then journaling. <laughs> and so that it's not a prescription. That's that's good news. Well, right. I mean, if you if you ever listen to interviews with Jeff Bezos, you know, what's really funny is he said he would never take a meeting before 10. He liked to putter. He had putter <laughs> time in the morning. So he would literally like putter around the house and do, you know, meander around, look at the paper, have some coffee, you know, he, he'd make three decisions or so a day. And then he was kind of done. Um, hmm. And that guy functions, you know, he, what he knew, and I think what people know when they get to a certain point is where their highest and best use is. And they're not going to clutter themselves with things that distract from that. And one thing I, I do advise people do as they move up the chain and as they you know, kind of evolve in their career is to start pulling into those areas where you are spectacular and you kind of have the highest leverage that you can have and just begin to either delegate the other things out, begin to outsource those things and really pull into those spaces where you are incredible and that you've really moved the needle because your success really accelerates when you're able to do that over and over and over again. Boy, that's good. That's good. Now, you have been, you, you know, a question's coming. I'm sure you're sick and tired of this question, but I got to ask it. So okay. Wall Street Journal has compared you to Wendy Rhodes of uh, billions. Yes, And true. How, how has that, is that fair, unfair? How has that helped or hurt your profession? Or uh, I, I think it's really cool. 
I think that it has helped people understand what I do. So in that way, it is incredibly useful, right? I mean, I think that before that character, people would say, so are you a therapist? Like, what are you doing? Like, people didn't get it, including my own mother, by the way. And so if she's out there, you know, mom now understands what I do. Um, But I like to think, you know, obviously, it's a dramatized version of what people do. But, you know, you're far more ethical, obviously, and you're far more grounded. But being that sounding board for someone is important. Knowing them and having a relationship with them where you can challenge them is important. And so I think that the meat of it is there, but you know, a lot of the dramatized, like going to other companies or having these kind of unethical dealings, um, all of that stuff obviously is, is pretty fake. But I do like the fact that you know, someone nailed this very niche profession that that I've operated in for a long time and that they kind of shone a light on it. I think that that's fantastic. You know, these hedge funds, you know, as, as far as in billions, they do hire people like me because they understand, you know, one of them, and I, I won't name who they are, but they'll hire someone like me for different teams within, you know, within the fund. So they'll have people working with their kind of, NG, like those folks who are, you know, their quants, and then they'll have people who are working with, you know, this group of people. And if they are moving the needle 1%, you know, they're doing an, an incredible job and they're paying themselves, you know, millions of dollars uh, times over. So it's incredible the the benefit of it. And I've always been surprised that other places haven't caught on where they've had people that can really help their organizations move further, faster. It, it's worth what you pay. As, as you're coaching these high performers, where do some of these other components like uh, relationships and exercise and sleep and nutrition and all those things how does that fit into your overall coaching of these high performers? For me, I look at those as foundational items. Like if you're going to build a house, absolutely. If you're going to build a house, you cannot make a, get three hours of sleep every night for a week and tell me what your decision-making looks like. You know, like it is a mess. And so are your emotions and so are your interactions with other people. Your work is also slowed. You know, when you're tired at the end of the day, I think most of your listeners can relate. Like at the end of the day, if you're going to answer all your emails, an email that would have taken you five minutes when you're energized and like, you know, really on it and you've just had your coffee, at the end of the day, that same email is 15 minutes long. So you are like doubling, tripling your time um, by being tired. And so you're extending your workday, you're falling into these terrible cycles. So I think about, I ask everyone I work with, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your genuine, like kind of foundational items. Like, let's talk about, do you get enough sleep? Uh, And sometimes we have to make corrections there. You'll have people who will have medical issues with their sleep, like apnea or some other things where they're like, yeah, you know, I don't like to wear that CPAP because that's terrible. And I'm like, you've got to do that. And you mean, sir, like, let's kind of step up a little bit because this is important, (laughs) right? I mean, this is your health. It is your brain health, your heart health. But, you know, kind of in some of these other areas, you know, sleep is the foundation for decision-making for your mood and your mood is the foundation for how you're going to ingest certain information, how you're going to make certain decisions, uh, the clarity of your thoughts. You are the most important asset of your business. So you have to take care of that, especially when you're at the top of it, but even if you're, you know, in it in various capacities. So my general, general philosophy is that anything outside of work has the capacity to influence who you are within it because you're bringing that same person uh, to the table. And even, you know, your relationships outside, being able to navigate 
maybe they're, they're falling apart and maybe you genuinely are, you know, in process of divorce or, you know, something challenging, but how do you manage that? So that, you know, when you walk in the door, you are the, the person that needs to be sitting at that table and that you're the way in which you're making decisions is not kind of being as influenced by the high stress you're having outside of that environment. So to me, things like, you know, relationships, exercise, sleep, um, all of those things, you're building a house, you want to have those things like steady on lock. To me, those are 101, making sure that you have those down pat. That's fascinating. I, I, I appreciate that. I didn't expect that answer. I knew it was important, but I didn't quite expect it to be that foundational level. So that I think that's really cool. You talk about life-changing for some of these individuals. That's a bit of a wake-up call, isn't it? It, it is. You know, I see people all the time. I think the other end of it that people don't recognize is that like, I see what happens when those things are not foundational. So wow. I see people who've really pushed it, who then are, you know, like I had, I had one person, for example, who was going in for MRIs and, and kind of losing vision in one of, uh, one of their eyes. And it wasn't, it was related to, it ended up being related to stress, right? So you have some yeah. really physical elements that can, um, can happen with people that, you know, you want to protect yourself from being in that position. And, and, you know, we glorify running really hard, but most of the guys I know who are, who are really making big calls and in big seats, they have like really firm bedtimes. Like they're going to bed at like, they're like, I'm not staying up past 10 and nothing intrudes on that. I mean, if it's a charity dinner, if it's something that they're supposed to go to, I mean, they will pop in, say hello and leave, but sleep is very, very important to them and uh, probably in ways that they don't discuss much in public forums. You know, just as an aside, uh, that's my 2023. I'm trying to get a lot more sleep and I feel so much better when I'm yes. focused on my sleep. I bought this aura ring. So Wonderful. I'm tracking my sleep. Do you have an aura ring? You know what it is, right? I, I mean, know what it is. I, I don't have one personally, but I mean, I think it's I think sleep is, is absolutely a cheat code. And if you're not getting it, you will recognize a big difference uh, when you start to actually sleep. And if you can have deep sleep and restful sleep, it makes a big difference. All right. Now uh, you mentioned a couple of times, your social media and your, what you uh, say on social media, what caught my attention uh, with you and how I first learned about you was on Twitter and you are so direct and so provocative in a good way. Candid is probably the better word of saying it and, or the better way of saying it. I think it's the best I've seen as far as what you're doing, as far as engaging with that audience, which can be brutal at times. I, I, you know, I really do. Thank you so much for noticing that. I think that my philosophy, I had a conversation, uh, not as a client, but I had a conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk very early on. And um, one of the things that is a really foundational philosophy of how he operates is he said, you know, if you have if you have something that you can give, you should give it. You should just give and give and give. And ah. if if you can do it, you should do it. And then you know if you have an ask in the future, you know people are there for you. Um, so I try. One of the things that I try to do is I say you know for myself and not to get too personal in our conversation, but you know I don't come from a wealthy background myself, and certainly I'm probably from a background that people would say you know this this person would not be in the seat that they're in today. You know today I'm sitting in my kitchen and we're having this conversation, and you know I've done a lot of really great work. Um, but if I can kind of make that journey, I always feel like it's exciting for me to share some of the real truths because we get a lot of platitudes out there, you know, like, oh, uh, like one of them, for example, that I, I shared recently that maybe is somewhat controversial. 
is that people are always like, oh, you should be vulnerable, right? I think you should be vulnerable at home, but, but being vulnerable at work, you know, like people don't, aren't interested in that. You know, they really aren't. And you can often be seen as weak. You can be seen as complaining or whining. Um, and unfortunately, like that's just the way the world works. And I, I'm, I want to kind of be candid about some of those things. If you're in a leadership position, you can share and, you know, every now and again, and people will regard that highly, but on the way up, I mean, what people value is, you know, outcomes and results and optimism and putting your best foot forward, doing everything that you can, right. And like overperforming, over delivering, um, you know, and your vulnerability about, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I, in an ideal world, we would all be receptive and very kumbaya, but that that's kind of not the business world that we live in. So I try to be very candid and straightforward with people and not sugarcoat things because I want them to succeed. You know, like I want to set people up to win. Um, and so that yeah, is yeah. my primary goal in my social media is that I'll tell you the truth about what I see, but it all comes from a place where I want you to win. Um, and I want to take you along with me. I commend you for it. And that goes right back to what you're saying also about how it's really a privilege to work with people because that's what you're trying to help people uh, become better, live, live their best life. And on social media, I see it. So for those who are not yet following uh, Dr. Gerner on Twitter, I invite you to do it at Dr. Gerner, D-R-G-U-R-N-E-R. And you'll see what we're talking about. In fact, just about an hour, probably about two hours ago now, uh, Julie, if you didn't know, here's a tweet that you put up. You'll get a lot of warnings if people know you are running toward a big things and highly ambitious. Um, I'm always surprised people don't get more warnings when barely getting by. Poverty is harder in every possible way than trying to build wealth or a better life. And then there was a response to that. Cooper says, what do you mean by warnings? And then you responded, be careful. It's so risky. Uh, who do you think you are? Are you sure you want to do that? Why take a chance? Do you really want to move? Why do you want to do this? I mean, the list goes on and on is what you respond back. So again, I think you're, it's very giving of you to be able to engage in conversation, an executive performance coach with your background in such a meaningful way, instead of just high level. And I'm talking to myself here, when I go on social media, I oftentimes just wait and I don't, I don't go that deep and that candid because of, <laughs> because yeah. of what tends to happen. Um, I think that, you know, like one of the things that I think about is that people are going to come at you and I, I probably have, have said this before, but you know, like people are going to come at you no matter. So if, if you're genuinely out there providing value, you know, who you are, you know, kind of what you represent, you know, I, I feel calm. I mean, this is going to sound, I don't want it to sound like I'm kind of a jerk here. Like I feel confident about what I know and what I don't know. I don't, um, you know, I'm not hurting yes. in reputation. I have a, I have a really solid reputation. So I'm going to put things out there the best that I can, as straightforward as I can for the people who genuinely want it. And I do it there. I do it in a newsletter. I do it. I try to do it over and over again. I'm not as great on LinkedIn. I, I try to periodically post things there, but it, you know, it is my goal that if I am going to rise and I help people who are at the very top of their game and at the top of some really incredible places that like, why not distill and bring some wisdom down to people who are, you know, working hard, trying to, to kind of claw their way up or, or take some chances, give them some encouragement, 
and really like give them a little bit of information that helps them on their journey. I feel like that's a, a great use of my time. It makes me feel good about what I do. I get a ton of DMs and, and like direct, uh, for those who don't know, from like, uh, you know, direct messages from people who say, thank you, or, hey, I've used this. This really helped me. Uh, I did this thing in a salary negotiation. It really worked. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it, it just like, builds a fire. So for every one of those folks who comes in and and maybe has a negative thing to say, that's okay. I sometimes I thank them for their engagement and I think that that makes it even worse, but um but I you know for every one of those people, I am getting, you know, 20 or 30 others and my hope honestly if if I can kind of like pull back the curtain is that people begin to connect with each other and support each other along the way. So even though you can't really have a mentor like you in their life, that maybe they have other people in their life at least cheering them on, that they make some quality connections yep. and that they have people they can share with on their journey forward. That's awesome. There's a tweet uh, that uh, I, I printed it out just so you know. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll read it to the audience. I, I actually, yeah, I have this. I have this in my office. I have it where I can see it. Here's the tweet. The sheep will spend its entire life fearing the wolf only to be eaten by the shepherd. Your real risks are often not the places your emotions will take you. In fact, they're often a distraction. Move strongly, know your landscape, and keep your head about you. Again, it's just those types of tweets that you're putting out there, that type of content that is valued by me, and it sounds like like so many others. And so, uh, well, well done, Julie. Well done. No, thank you so much. It's um, it's a real privilege, I think. And there are, I think that these are like little reminders periodically to like. Hey, you know, look around the corner, be always be looking around corners, know who your real uh, threats are and, and how you're positioning yourself in the world uh, to move forward. Julie, we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, what is mm -hmm. the best way to stay in touch with you and all the cool projects that you're doing? I know you have a brand new newsletter as well called Ultra Successful. What, what, what's the best way to stay in touch with you? So Ultra Successful is a newsletter on Substack where I get all of the learnings from some of these really high-level operators, and I distill them to kind of actionable um, things that kind of everyone can do to begin to build their skill sets in specific areas. The best way to probably reach me is through Twitter. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm at Dr. Gerner, um, and you can feel free to message me. I leave my direct messages open, so just don't abuse it. But I certainly, if you click on that and you just reach out and say hello, introduce yourself, I'm always happy uh, to get a new message in, in, my, in my feed. So um, that's probably the quickest, easiest, most direct way to reach me. Wonderful. And this is the I Dare You podcast. And I always ask my guests at the end, what is your I Dare You challenge for all of us? So Dr. Gerner, what would be the challenge you would give this audience? What do you got? This is going to be good. All right. So I would challenge your audience to take a moment. Maybe it's tonight before you go to bed. Maybe it's in the morning. Open a document, in a Google Doc, a Word Doc, a journal. Write down the life that you would, you know, would really want for yourself include a variety of different areas of that life, right? Your, your health, your career, physical items you might want, maybe even the home that you might want. And then I guess my dare is for you to actually take some steps and, and go for it. Love that. And that's specific and actionable. So tonight's night, everybody, let's take Dr. Gerner's advice and do just that. Um, Dr. Gerner, Julie, this has been so much fun getting to know you and 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 all, getting your insights into why you do what you do. And you've given some, us some really practical tips and hints here so that we can live our best life. So we appreciate you being on the podcast. 
Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Okay, you thought you were just listening to a podcast, but you just wrapped up a session with one of the world's best executive performance coaches. <laughs> Congratulations. That was Dr. Julie Gerner. So many insights shared. What's your biggest takeaway? I, I got to tell you, I have so many notes, but the, her I Dare You Challenge, I think, is perfect. What is it the life that you want? And then take steps toward it. And I think that's a great exercise. I, I challenge you to, to do that. Uh, take that step with Dr. Gerner and see where it leads you. And also follow her on Twitter at Dr. Gerner. Follow her on Instagram and check out her website, drgerner.com. So now that you listened, I invite you to share with others in your life who are important to you. Take that step and forward it on to them. I would appreciate it. This podcast is growing because you are sharing with others. And uh, I just want to thank you for doing so especially this type of a message when we have so many people who are trying to live their best life and we tend to get on our own way sometimes. And wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if we could help ourselves and help those who are important in our lives become just a little bit better and help them really live the life that they want? And this interview with Dr. Gerner, this conversation, is going to help a lot of people. And finally, if you like the episode, if you like this show, I invite you to subscribe so that you do not miss an episode. Every single guest is just unbelievable, and I'm so grateful for them for coming on. Also, pay us a visit on Instagram, at IDareYouPod. There you'll get exclusive content you won't find anywhere else, including video snippets of interviews like this with Dr. Gerner. And then get ready for episode 68 next week. Another fantastic guest. I'm wrapping up the edits right now. And I really appreciate you listening. You have so many choices in digital communications and digital media, and you are here. And it's not lost on me that you got a lot of choices. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate you sharing with others. So thanks again. I'll see you back here next week on I Dare You Podcast.